0: Welcome to Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a new podcast that's all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. This past week, Jonathan and I got to spend time at the Pastors, Priests, and Guides retreat at the Bellarmine Jesuit Retreat House in Illinois. This retreat is put on by Aaron Nequist, and it's all about finding a safe space to learn early church practices, meditations, reflections, and liturgies. And Jonathan got to share a talk on how liturgy is not the answer, but it can open us up to the Holy Spirit, who is the answer. Enjoy.
1: So here's what I want to do. This talk is going to be very simple, because we've already heard and metabolized so many wonderful things. I will try to... Um, be conscious of time here, I, I, because I did grow up in such Pentecostal environments, right? So um, one of my favorite things about those days is that our summer camp meetings were like the, the world seemed to revolve around that, and all these traveling evangelists would come through, and it would be like really colorful, and the evangelists, not unlike professional wrestlers, like everybody kind of had their own sort of finishing maneuver, and... <laughs> My, my personal favorite was, was Brother Lahan, and his deal was like, he didn't lay hands on people, he would lay his Bible on people, and they would fall out in, in the spirit when that happened. Uh, but my very favorite thing that he, that he ever did, um, Duncan heads up, my friend, is that every once in a while when he was really getting a big way of preaching, he would stop and he would say, receive the glory and throw his bible and whoever caught it would fall out. Now clearly, I'm not in the anointing right now or that would have worked. Because you But that was like his thing. I brought my Baptist sweet little Baptist girlfriend, the 10th grade to camp meeting. She'd never been to church with me, and she desperately wanted to come and I was scared to death. We were sitting on the second row cuz that's where we always were, and the night had been relatively tame and I thought like we were going to get out more or less unscathed. And uh and, and there, was a, there was a big evangelist sitting on the front row, a large man, uh, ironically named Brother Small, and he, uh, we have to edit this for the podcast, he, uh, Brother Lahan says to Brother Small, come up, come up here, brother, I want to pray for you, lays his Bible on him, on his head, and, and, and he, he goes out into the power, and then he says, I, I need some big men to come and, and pick him up for me right now, they pick him up, hits him. With the goblet, bam, they pick him up, bam, he did what I call the Seven Dipper, the Seven Dipper on Brother Lahan, like inches away from me and my Baptist girlfriend. It was such an interesting conversation <laughs> on the way home, as you might imagine. So the, the, the spaces I grew up in were really colorful, and there's a lot of things I, you know I, I say about that in fun. But truly, I had some really... Some really powerful experiences, too, that weren't just, like, spectacle. It's fun. There was one in particular, and I never had anything like this before or after, because ironically, growing up in those spaces, I was very cerebral and analytical and always felt like I desperately wanted to be on the inside of those experiences, but felt like I couldn't access them the way that I wanted to. So I, was, I, would go, I went down to every altar call for, every, for everything, every altar call. I padded everybody's stats. I was always going to come down to be saved, rededicated, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. I went every altar call, earnest. But so often, like I would, uh, I, I just didn't quite feel like I was able to tap into the things that other people were tapping into. So the 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 altar at the at the front of the church would look like a Civil War battlefield of like bodies just like everywhere. And I'd be the one person who never fell out, like nothing, none of that stuff ever happened to me. But when I was 14 years old, My dad was preaching at the Lincolnton Church of God in Lincolnton, North Carolina, rural town on a Sunday night. He was president of a Bible college then, and the Bible college choir was actually singing. And it was one of those nights where like as my dad was preaching, like stuff was just happening in the room. People were worshiping and rejoicing and like it just, there there was just a thing that was happening there and especially being so like in my head and also super afraid of judgment and Damnation, which is comical now because I don't, I know some things about sin now. I don't, I didn't know anything about sin then, but I just knew I was going to miss the rapture or whatever. You know, like that was all, all all that's in my brain all the time. It's so, so just, just always so constricted. And that night though, in particular, I remember like I thought the girls in the youth group there were pretty and I had got a new blazer at the gap. 14 years old, I had my new blazer on. And the only thing I aspired to was hoping to meet some of these pretty rural Lincolnton, North Carolina girls. And uh, but like during during the end of that service his dad was preaching the choir got up to sing again and man things were just all kind of stuff was just happening and I I remember specifically like while we were singing that I for the first time in my life I had this impulse where I I felt like I needed to dance and I don't before or since I don't dance in any form. There's danger of real destruction happening if I dance. Like I like I just just, but but I just felt such a joy and I felt like a freedom and a release that and I've never quite had an experience like this since. But it was like I I was just a little bit self-conscious about the girls there. And it's like I couldn't quite bring myself to like dancing. So my little step of faith in that environment was I just I just started jumping, like, just a little bit. Like, it was more like this first, like, just a little bit of movement. And and true story, again, hasn't happened to me since then. But as I started to move, like, just a little, it honestly felt like I was wearing, now, this this does sound like a Pentecostal testimony. It, it was like I was wearing magic shoes. Like, I start, like, I was dancing, and I was, I don't remember exactly deciding to dance. It really kind of felt like that something was was taking over, and I, but I was in like the middle of a pew, and I'm just there dancing in the pew, and very surprised that this is happening. <laughs> but also legitimately just carried away with the joy in that moment. See, so other thing that happened—it's very strange—is um, that as I'm dancing there in the pew, and you got to keep in mind, like I wasn't like being weird; like things were happening everywhere. There were people falling out in the spirit and running. Like the whole, the whole thing was going up in smoke, as we would say, and. I'm dancing in the middle of the in the middle of the pew and the other impulse I had was like I really felt like I needed to like get out in the aisle and dance and as soon as I felt that like kind of interrupting I was immediately like no no I'm not doing that and it's funny how you can still hang on a little bit like even like I'm I'm dancing <laughs> and not even knowing where this is coming from <laughs> like I'm barely feeling so like there was still this little bit of resistance like I can't I can't do that. That's that is a little bit too far. And I promise you, uh, can't make this up. At the same moment that I'm dealing with this tension, there was a guy because they had risers for the choir. He was standing on the 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 very top riser at the back of the choir. I promise you, he jumped off that top ra- riser, walked down the aisle to where I was sitting in the middle of the pew, grabbed my hand which was raised in the air in worship, and physically led me out into the aisle. I promise you that happened. And I danced around that church for an hour. I mean, I danced until I could not dance anymore. I've never had an experience like that before or since. But it was but it was powerful. And whatever you think about it, like it's it's dear to me. Uh and I, I, I felt like a very genuine encounter of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you fast forward a little bit, then I have all these years of like loving my tradition, but not feeling like I Fit in with it and 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 growing and changing and started a, a church within our denomination where we were doing weekly communion and the creeds and um, the Lord's prayer and I eventually started preaching the lectionary and all that and and all of that was you know weird where, where we come from nobody does that uh, and, and but but feeling like really led in this way so my life starts to change my mind starts to change and I'm kind of and I'm, and I'm on this journey uh, fast forward a little bit past that and after i'd left that church at the absolute lowest point in my life when i was unraveling and my marriage was unraveling i walk in the big red doors of saint peter's episcopal church in downtown charlotte the week after i left the church that i founded and led for 9 years and cried like a baby it was high church and uh, it, you know choir and organ and there was no experimental Creative liturgy, kind of stuff happening. It was just as high church Episcopal as you could go. And I, little, I, I promise you, every week I would weep. I would weep through the services, and I would come down to kneel for communion, and I cried every single time. And I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a more tangible, palpable sense of God's presence than I did kneeling in this high church Episcopal context, receiving communion. I mean, it just, it, it was everything. I feel like during that season. Knowing I could kneel and come and receive the elements every week there was what kept me alive. I mean, it, it was everything. And 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 the way that that quiet space began to shape me and form me, and the way that that came to to feel like home, and, you know, my home church in Tulsa is Christ Church Episcopal, our uh, uh, vicar, my pastor, as I say, Father Everett is here, which he's an amazing man. It's a wonderful church. So, you know, so I, I I've run the gamut on this journey to come from where I come from and to be confirmed in the Episcopal Church now. If that goes out on the internet, I don't even know what's going to happen to me. But it's like I'm I'm living in the midst of these intersections, you know, because I'm in and out of all kind of churches and all. The thing I really though kind of want to want to bring around though is just kind of a simple question. When I reflect on experiences like that, and I know that's a little bit dramatic to go from the dancing in church to St. Peter's, but I'm kind of presuming in this room everybody has their own continuum of experiences, and we're all kind of grappling with that, what to do and kind of nav- how to navigate, how to map all this stuff out. The question I'd simply want to pose is, which one of those experiences was authentically God? It, in, in which of those experiences did I really experience the power of the Holy Spirit? Like, like, like who has the presence of God? Is that in the Pentecostal charismatic spaces, or is it in the evangelical spaces? Or is it is it in the Episcopal spaces, Catholic spaces, or the, like, like, like like where where is God really in the midst of all that? And I think in a way it's like there, there's kind of two answers to that. I mean, one, I think most of us would want to say, well, both. Of course, the Holy Spirit is at work in, in both of those contexts. Of course. That's God. Of course, one is it somehow more authentically Jesus than the other. But in terms of like where God is in the midst of it, there's also a very real way, and I hope you'll hear me when I say this, to where like God is present in both of those things, and yet neither is God precisely like, God's not caged in either one of those things either. God is not caged in any particular expression. He's not bound which makes some sense out of the fact that I hear this story over and over, and I think you do too, and some of us are living in that somewhere, of yes, you have people coming out of these kind of evangelical and charismatic spaces and Baptist spaces who discover liturgy, and when we do, it's like, where has this been all of my life? Oh, this is real. This is powerful. Where has this been? And we do kind of throw some shade on our roots and say like, man, that was shallow, that was uninformed. Th- these practices are, are deeper and I feel more connected to something ancient and-, and I found God here. And then I do meet people all the time who come out of uh, traditions with higher liturgy who say, man, that was the most dead, dry, it was just rote, it was, all, it was rituals, just, that was all man. <laughs> and now I've encountered the power of the spirit this is freedom. This is life. And so it's like, you know, we kind of, and we meet each other sometimes moving in opposite directions. Here's, what I, here, here's my, my, my real read on that. I think that while God is like us in some ways, there are, some, there are also some ways in which God is very much unlike us. And there's an otherness to the presence of God. And I think oftentimes, the way that we are able, especially like in a kind of a sensory way most powerfully able to experience the presence of God is something that is other to us. If it's not native, if it's not where we come from, the very fact that it's something new means we're coming in wide awake. You know, I'm, I'm a Pentecostal Episcopalian. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a cradle Episcopalian. Like, it is hard for me to, to come to the table and not cry. <laughs> because I'm so reflective on what it means. because That's where I come from. And I think when people come into the kind of spaces I grew up in for the first time, and it's new and it's exotic or whatever, oh, there's that same kind of attentiveness. There's that same kind of mindfulness. So I wanna say, I really want, I'm saying all this to say I think a relatively simple thing. So clearly we know, and we're experiencing this, that these practices are pathways for us, for us and for our communities. Uh, to, 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 to real encounter with Jesus. And I think that's true whether or not we feel God in a, in a demonstrative way or not. It's, it's real, it works. These access points, very real. These on-ramps, very real. And I love uh, Jenna's brilliant talk the other night. We, we do need the repetition. We need, to do the same, we need to show up at the same time, at the same place, over and over again, do the same things. Like, I believe all that. I believe these things are so necessary and so important. I just want to simply say this because I think this is always the temptation, especially when you are coming into something that's kind of new for you. Please don't fetishize the form. If you'd write down anything that I say, that's the one line. Please don't fetishize the form. Because the very moment that you try to nail it down and say, God lives here and only here, is the moment where now all of a sudden we're closing ourselves off to be surprised again, to experience something of that kind of otherness again. One of the things I love so much about what Father Michael does, and once again, yesterday wrecked me, and I'm going to spend the rest of the year unpacking that whole experience like I've done the last two years. He's so phenomenal. But one of the things I love so much about what he does is he takes us into these very ancient practices, very rooted in his own tradition, and yet He's pulling in some stuff, too, that he's that is learning. There's some experimentation happening going on. Still from within the tradition, fits the trajectory, it's still connected. But we're experimenting with various postures and with our bodies and with our hearts and the, and the words that we're saying. Like you, you, can't you feel that? Like this element of like, here are these very rooted, grounded practices, but there's something really spirit-led happening, too. And it's like there's a, there's a form, but there's also room and we're also creating space. Like, like, I love that. Because so long as we keep the emphasis on, it's not that form doesn't matter. Don't hear that. I think form matters a great deal. I'm just saying, don't, don't fetishize it. Because if we do that, then we'll end up becoming the very things that a lot of us are running from. These really dogmatic, hard-headed we go back to our communities and we're on this beautiful journey with Jesus. And now it's like if we don't want to become the people to where like if other people aren't quite getting it the way that we're getting it, wow, you guys are so lame. Y'all are so, you just do not get, uh, you know, like it's just, you know, it's a, it's a heart posture thing. Um, some of what I see happening right now and my, um, my heart is real, actually broken open this morning because I've, I've had so many conversations with people here the last couple of days who are really struggling because it's the very nature. The, I'm, I don't want to throw a percentage out there because I don't know. The, uh, true story, by the way, 98% of statistics used by preachers are made up. They are mostly, they are mostly made up in the spot. You really shouldn't trust any of them. So, and in that spirit, I'm going to say 90% of you, the reason, see, I just made, I just totally pulled that, the, 90% of you, I'm guessing, the very reason that you're here here. It's because there's there's a there you're in an uneasy, restless place where you're trying to figure out how how do I build bridges between these things? And you're 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 encountering God in a way that's new to you in a way, and yet we've still got to wrestle and contend with this as much as we may not want to. Hey, God is in this thing that's new to us. We we're not Columbus, we haven't discovered America, new to us, but but also. God is still in that old expression that you're feeling called away from, too. E- even in the real evangelical ones, that that for some of us we're a little squeamish about and it's a little bit too much pop culture, a little whatever. Not that there's not need critique. Doesn't mean God's not at work there. Doesn't mean God's not still doing a thing. We don't have to burn any of it down. <laughs> you heard I'm saying? So, so I, I think, so part of the, the invitation here, and, and, I, and, and to say this with a lot of gentleness is just, I, I feel a real pastor impulse right now, because I know a lot of you, are just, you're really struggling with that in real time. You don't know where this journey is going to, to lead you. It's not unlike a lot of my sermons. The, the suspense is real, because <laughs> I don't know where it's going either. <laughs> so, like, like, you legitimately don't know. <laughs> and we don't, like, we don't know where the story ends. And I found myself in some of the conversations uh, this week like wishing that I could be like so prophetic as I could just tell you, man, I think you're going to find a way to build a bridge, and this is going to work, and you're going to be fine. <laughs> I think some of you might be fine. I think some of you will not be, and I think for some of you, it's going to get worse before it gets better, and it really might be that in order for you to be true to what God's doing in here, y- you might have to leave the tribe. You might have to press in to a different tradition. Uh, But that's not a requirement. What I'm I'm saying is that it's very much a spirit-led journey. And there's room in all this. Uh, In the same way that we encounter the Holy Spirit through these practices, there's room for our individual journeys to be spirit-led and to be particular. And there's room to move at a slower or faster pace. You know? There's room to feel that out. Uh, There's room to... And I, I, I just, even as we, as we pray here at the end, I would love to just, uh, for us to pray towards that end. I just so, I think everybody does need some real individual guidance, and I love that we've had time for spiritual direction because we're still sorting this out, and that's, that's all right. Take your time to sort this out and to be prayerful. Stay in a humble posture. Be open to the ways that God would still continue to use things that are, that are very other for you. You know, one of the things I've seen coming out of, like, spaces that were very, like, um, my version of conservative growing up is probably different than some of your version of conservative. When I say conservative, that includes women didn't wear jewelry or makeup or pants. They did wear dresses. That was, (laughs) like, that kind of conservative. So it's been been interesting because, like, coming out of an environment so conservative, this kind of holiness Pentecostal environment, especially when I was younger, you know, it's like, of course there's a part of me, like, when you're, Um, when you care about justice and peacemaking and all these things that I didn't quite come into, when I find other people that share those kind of values, it's like, oh, this is great. This is awesome. And I'm home. And then I made the horrible discovery that progressive people can be just as fundamentalist as anybody in the world and the slightest deviation from ideological purity and they will crucify you (laughs) And this is part of what I'm coming to really believe, why that's true. We need otherness to sanctify us. God uses that which is other to sanctify us and transform us. So the moment from your community or from your life you eliminate otherness, you eliminate the possibility for transformation. In a a church of like-minded conservative folks Or in a church where everybody's hyper-progressive or hyper-this or hyper-that. The moment you lose the otherness, there's no longer space for transformation. We need otherness to transform us. We need our enemies to transform us. We need our enemies not just because they need the love of God in us in some mysterious way. God uses them to change us. Uh, I promise I I am ending, but I think I'm going to tell this story real quick to do so. Because I think like we have to have such a, um, such a, such a commitment to, such a vision for, um, for for welcoming people and bringing people along this journey with us. Well, you know, I don't want to over talk it. You do with this what you will. The church I pastored after we made the move to weekly communion and we were so excited and we were a Pentecostal church and good things were happening around all that. Our college and young adult ministry started doing a weekly thing where they did weekly communion as well. And... Uh, on Tuesday nights and it was beautiful like uh, this great like 130 or so 20 somethings coming out every week it was wonderful and my friend Teddy who was at this event last year was preaching and at the end he gave the invitation for communion and we very much had a we had a really open table there and like he's he, he's sitting there on the front row and he happens to notice out of the corner of his eye a young man who it's his first time there who didn't go who didn't go forward for communion so while they've got worship music going on teddy walks over to him and whispers in his ear and says hey man like i don't want to like there is no pressure here whatsoever but I, I just i just saw you didn't come down for the table don't know if you feel uncomfortable whatever just if it would help i, I would love it if you come with me like could we Can maybe we go down to the table together and with, with tears in his eyes, he says, man, I'd, I'd love to, but I just, I just can't do that. I'm just not in the right headspace. I just don't think I can do that right now. And Teddy, who's such a tender, pastoral sort of soul, he, like, he sits down with them. And he says, just kind of in the moment, he says, if you're not going down to receive the elements, I don't want to go either. I'd rather stay here with you than go down. And he sits there with them. And a couple minutes later, he asks him, can i pray for you And the guy goes, sure so Teddy just gonna kind of put his hand on the shoulder and he starts praying and he felt like the holy spirit gave him something particular to pray he prayed god since my brother doesn't feel comfortable right now coming down to the table to to receive this meal i pray that you will bring the meal to him and of course he's thinking like this is a spiritual meal like god is going to bring the spiritual food. He says amen and they look up and one of the communion servers, our friend Brian Brown was kneeling down in front of him. And he said, man, I'm so sorry. I've never done this before. I hope this is not weird. But while I was serving people in line, the Holy Spirit told me to come down here and to bring you these elements, like from across the room. And at that point, the kid starts weeping and and of course he receives and it's beautiful. I love that story for so many reasons. But part of it, that sense of like, man, if you're not, if, you, if there's not room at the table for you, I, I don't, there's not a space for me either. If you're not going to go, I'm not going to go. And I'm not, you don't have to take that in a hyper literal direction, but you hear what I'm saying? Like that need for people who are unlike us, who are at a different place in the journey, like that level of, of desire and keeping it for them and about them. Stand with me if you would.
0: I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Like an LP, each episode is divided into side A and side B. Side A could be a sermon, a conversation with a guest, but will always introduce some idea. Side B will always be a creative exploration of that idea through music, question answering with listeners, or quirky rabbit trails off of side A for people who want the deep cuts, not just the singles. No matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast will be a resource in helping you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. For more, go to JonathanMartinWords.com and sign up for our email list. Have a good day.